This episode is brought to you by 9AM Health. 9AM Health, diabetes care that fits your life. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Healing in Hindsight. In today's guest episode, I have Alicia Harding, the owner and chef of the Queen Lovely Catering. I'm really excited for you guys to hear this episode. It was a great conversation. We talk about so many things, but I think the key things to take away are you're able to really make food functional for you and enjoyable for you. It's all about finding balance with your food and some other cool things that Alicia is up to that I really just feel would be beneficial for you guys. Be sure to check her out. Of course, I'll have everything in the show notes and I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Let's do it. You're listening to Healing in Hindsight. You're no BS source for thriving with diabetes. What's up, guys? I'm Taylor Danielle, and it's my goal to help millennial diabetics like myself live an amazing life without your diagnosis getting in the way. I get it. I was diagnosed back in 2015 with type 2 diabetes, and it was really hard to find people around my age to understand how to travel, socialize, or even have meaningful relationships. But I feel like with a focus on mindset, perspective, and nutrition, Together, we can take back our health and our lives. Consider this the red table talk, but for diabetics. Minus the entanglement, so. So let's do it. So hi, Alicia. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, Happy to uh, have all of my functioning utilities with all of the fun stuff happening here in Texas, but I will not complain. So I'm really glad that we were able to connect and take some time to get to learn more about you, about your business and the new and exciting things that you are going to be doing soon. So I would love to just kind of dive right in and just learn a little bit about you, introduce your background, how long you've been a diabetic and anything you'd like for us to know. Okay. I am originally from a small town in North Carolina called Washington. I was born and raised there. I've been in North Carolina most of my life. I did spend six months in Memphis, Tennessee, but then I came back home. I am planning to leave the area just simply because it's not a place for growth in my profession. So, and I want to be closer to my mom and brother. So it's just time to relocate at this point. I am the mother of two. I have my first grandbaby on the way. So my daughter is 20 and my son is is nine and he is homeschooled. So I am a homeschool parent as well, which I absolutely love. I love it. But that's basically the gist. I have been married. I am widowed now for 15 years. So that's pretty much my life. So focused on my kids and business. Well, I thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that sounds about it. Keep it simple. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate you uh, sharing all of that. Now, if you don't mind, what, what is your business? I am a chef, actually. I have, since I was diagnosed with diabetes, I have ventured into a new niche. 
So I concentrate on working with diabetics and their diet. I am in the process of creating new products that diabetics can cook with that's healthier than what's available in the supermarkets for us right now. And I think that'll make it easier for diabetics to adjust to their diagnosis as opposed to looking at what's on the grocery store shelves now and not knowing exactly what to change without feeling like they're giving up absolutely everything. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate that too, because I actually recently just had my doctor's appointments. And although there was some good stuff that came out of it, there was some not so great stuff that Mm -hmm. came out of it. And one of those things was getting a CGM because my numbers still aren't where I would like for them to be. And I was telling my doctor, like, I feel like I have to eat once a day, basically, (laughs) in order to be in the right range, because sticking my finger every five minutes, it feels, doesn't give me the right information to know, okay, did mm-hmm. the, the concoction of things that I just eat set me off or was it something else? So definitely having meals or products catered towards those of us who rely on our food to keep us in the in the best place possible is really important. Right. So I appreciate that. So when was your diagnosis and are you type one, two, three? There's a three now, Modi. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was diagnosed with type two diabetes heart disease, and neuropathy all at once in 2019. And being opposed to medications or modern science, I wasn't very fond of sticking myself with a needle. And I knew even before I did it the first time that that was not going to be for me. Although I'm not ready to die, so... I had to do it for a little while. So I did it for the first three months until my follow-up appointment, of course. And I actually was able, and I think more so because I was more determined than anything to get rid of those needles, that I was actually able to get rid of them, not in three months, but I made great significant progress. And within six months, I was completely off of insulin. So no medications at this point. And it just, I think, lit a fire in me to help others do the same on their journey because so many people die of diabetes every year. Mostly because they don't even know. I mean, the resources aren't there. They're just not there. And they don't know what to do or how a doctor or a dietitian can say, limit yourself to this number of carbs or limit yourself to this number of calories, but they don't specifically tell you what to purchase in the grocery store or what ingredients to avoid or things of that nature. So that's what, as a chef, I've set out to do just to make it easier for people to function. Yeah. Wow. And congratulations on being able to really have the discipline to bring yourself to a place of coming off medication. Definitely a goal of mine myself. (laughs) It's not. It is so not. And I I really commend you for for having the fire lit under you immediately because I was diagnosed in 2015 and Mm -hmm. about two and a half years I spent in denial and was just like, Mm -hmm. I was 
about 25, 26 ish. So I was just like trying to focus on my corporate career over my, my lifespan of the vessel that I'm in. Right. So mm-hmm. it, it definitely can be difficult. So we, we definitely need more uh, people like you to advocate for us and provide products and services for us because it, it really is overwhelming when you enjoy food, but it's also the thing that could take you out if you're not careful. Right, exactly. um, and so, <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. So with that, I'm curious to know, I usually like to ask my guests like one question. And so I decided this year or this season that instead of asking like what their goals and stuff are, I'd like to ask those who are of the community, what's one misconception about being a diabetic that you want people to know isn't true? Because I feel like we get a lot of stuff and not even diving into which type, just being labeled a diabetic. Mm-hmm. There are so many things that people stereotype us for that are just exactly crazy and not true. So I'm curious to know what's one thing that you would like people okay, to so know. So there are definitely a lot of misconceptions, but I mm-hmm. think the number one misconception is diabetics can't eat sweets. That is yeah. the biggest misconception. And even diabetics believe it. I mean, it's been said for so long that everybody believes it now, but it's not true. Yeah. Right. The the idea that sugar is the ultimate thing that gets you there. It's like, no. And I was actually in a clubhouse room a couple of weeks ago and it was, it was a nice talk. It was doctors, people in Mm -hmm. tech who are making products to help with nutritional things. And then there were obviously other diabetics in the room because the room was specific Mm -hmm. for that topic. And one guy was like, we were talking about the different types and he made a comment saying, well, ultimately type two is, you know, usually brought on by a series of bad choices. And I was just like, I halfway get where you're coming from. But at the same time, I feel like you're riding a fine line because it's just not that simple. And now that there's more information coming out with these different types, too, especially the more Mm -hmm. genetically based one, it's just like, Mm -hmm. yes, I can understand things that are kind of out of your control. And you don't know that the choice that you're making is not the greatest, but I, I rebuttaled with, so what would you do for usually marginalized communities that are the ones that are getting hit the hardest to combat right. that? If your environment doesn't foster you to know these things, then how are they considered bad choices? They're just choices until you learn after the fact. So I am all for breaking these misconceptions because I love sweets and I feel like I shouldn't have to give them all up. Mm-hmm. I monitor, but you know, I want some Sour Patch. I feel like I can have a couple Sour Patch. (laughs) The thing with that is, just proof, I never ate sweets. And I purposely Mm -hmm. didn't eat sweets because diabetes runs on both sides of my family. So I knew I wanted to avoid it. I still mm-hmm. ended up with it. So, and I was, me, I didn't, I didn't eat candy. I didn't eat cake. I might eat cake on my birthday and maybe Thanksgiving and Christmas. And that would be it for me. Yeah. I don't like sugar. So that's definitely, definitely a misconception. Yeah. I don't know whether it was, I mean, there are a lot of things that contribute to it that we can change to prevent it. But Sometimes it's more, like you said, it's genetics that plays a bigger factor than our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So regardless, sometimes of what we do, we still end up with it. It just makes it more controllable, I think, when it's genetics and you can just change small things in your diet 
so that you're comfortable living every day with it and not completely feeling like you're just giving it all up. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the the beauty I feel the last couple of years with health and wellness in general, really rising Mm -hmm. to the top of the priority list. And the fact that there are more people getting educated, whether Mm -hmm. it's through being a dietitian or some form of health program, for you to understand that it's a combination of a lot of things that you can do and still thrive. I think Mm -hmm. there's a couple of people that I follow where restrictive eating is not at all a part of their education. It is how to navigate your environment that still allows you to enjoy things, but not skyrocketing yourself off off the meters <laughs> and right. things like more insulin resistant other diseases or things that are coming up people are realizing how important that blood sugar management isn't just for diabetics it's and I, I find that interesting interesting that in previous years that was the only time that you heard about it maybe in sport I, I will say there were some times in like sports nutrition where that mm-hmm. was important but you're working your body so hard it kind of has to play a factor. But nowadays, general blood sugar management isn't just for us. It's It really can be for everybody and right. should be regularly taught. So I'm curious to know, like this being only a year or so that you've been diagnosed with mm-hmm. diabetes and, and even the heart disease, which I know is something that's also something that we can be more prone to, even as Black women. But what were some of the physical and mental challenges that you went through and how did you overcome them? And if you can throw any tips in there too, that'd be great. (laughs) So when I was originally diagnosed, before I was diagnosed, I was the person who didn't go to the doctor unless I had a serious issue going on. And I had doing my monthly exam, I had found lumps in my breast. So I was like, okay, well, of course I was 40 So, well, 41. And I said, well, I guess it's time for a mammogram. And I scheduled that Mm -hmm. and it was benign, which was really good. But I said, okay, it was kind of my wake up call. It is time for me to do my yearly checkups like I'm supposed to. Not that I don't have insurance to do it. I just never did it. And and I think that was more so because my mother never went to the doctor growing up. We didn't go to the doctor growing up. Mm. It was only if my brother broke a limb or my grandfather, who was an alcoholic, fell in the street and busted his head open. That actually happened. Oh, good. To him, nothing was wrong. But that for that once, we went to the emergency room. And that was the only time I saw a doctor was in an emergency room. So I guess that was kind of embedded in me not to go to the doctor unless something was seriously wrong. And it was just as I got older and my mother was diagnosed with so many ailments. And that made me be more conscious of what I was eating or what I was putting in my body. But I still didn't go to the doctor. So when I found the lumps and I had the mammogram and they were benign, I was like, okay, that's great. Such a relief. But... It's time for me to kind of take better care of myself and do all the tests that need to be done to make sure that everything is okay. And when I did that is when I was diagnosed. So I'm glad I did because it could have been a lot worse. When I was diagnosed, the day I was diagnosed, I hadn't eaten. So it was a fasting and my blood sugar was 326. And I remember that 
like Mm -hmm. that stuck in my head because it's important to remember the bad parts so that you don't go back to that and just to improve overall to stay away from that because I don't want to go back to that. And I don't even want the fear of knowing what could be if I were to go backwards. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's really powerful. And that's something that I'm implementing in my own routine, because I think the hard part for type twos um, Mm -hmm. or, or basically anybody that doesn't have a heavily insulin regimen, like I'm, I'm medication only right now. So Mm -hmm. it's really hard for me to see the effects until something comes up. Right. Right. So part of why I really feel like me and another guest talked about CGMs really could change the entire outlook for diabetics because you're immediately Mm -hmm. seeing things automatically. You're not missing any information. You know exactly Mm -hmm. where you're at. You're trending up or trending down. But it was such a struggle to get my CGM. And if honestly, if it wasn't for my dietitian, Mm -hmm. I'd be coming out of pocket quite a bit of money just to track where I'm at. Individual progress really helps because we're only seeing these doctors every three months or so, right? Right. So we don't have somebody Mm -hmm. actively on us. And it is up to us to monitor that because the friends and family members who aren't diagnosed, they can't constantly chase us to ensure that we're doing what we're supposed to do, right? Right. So it definitely is something that I'm really grateful that I can have a, a bit more visual aspect because I don't want to go back either. My numbers were were pretty insane when I was diagnosed. And you don't feel it until you start passing out or right. having um, these different feelings. And, and that's when it gets really scary because those are those big warning signs. Like, all right, you didn't really notice when it was mild. Now I have to hit you with something bigger. So you know it's time to check into something. So right. absolutely do not want to go back. <laughs> So I I would like to, on that same note, dig a little bit deeper into what exactly uh, were the steps that you took. Being a chef, I'm I'm also curious, like how that came into play and what you did to change up how you were eating, but still enjoyed things because that's such a daunting task. I'm still trying to figure out how to enjoy cooking again without it feeling like this overwhelming chore, because if I don't eat right, if I don't cook, I'm going to be tempted to order out. And then, you know, that mm-hmm. that kind of vicious cycle that you end up in. So how did you kind of break down how to really eat properly with your skills as a chef and make it easy for you so it didn't feel like a daunting task? So the key word is flavor. I am a third generation chef, so cooking is just what we do. I don't eat out a lot. I don't like leftovers, never have. I am definitely not a fan of frozen foods. So when I decided to make the change, of course, a person who loves potatoes, I just, and fried chicken, of course. I still eat fried chicken. Yeah. I still eat fried chicken. I change the oil that I use to cook it. And a lot of times Mm -hmm. I'll remove the skin. So, and that removing the skin is more so for not going back to the heart disease that I no longer have, but, or preventing heart disease if you've never been diagnosed with it. But it's really not that hard because what's hard for me is when I'm marketing and now that I'm marketing to 
diabetics as well. It kind of shies away people who don't feel like they need to eat healthy. So I don't cater for those people as much anymore, which is okay. It's okay. It hasn't really, my business has still grown, right. so it hasn't affected me. But I would love for, as a chef, I would love for people who still eat the bar foods or they have to have their loaded baked potato and all of those things. I would still love for them to at least try the healthy meals because they're not as bad as what I thought they were going to be. I was that person, oh, I can't give up my rice, my white rice. And well, I don't like brown rice. And But I started playing around with what I add to it just to make it taste better. I don't remember the last time I had white rice at this point and I don't miss it. So once you do away with it for a while and then you try to go back to it, you don't want it anymore because the taste is just not there. So it's basically training your body or your taste buds to adjust to the new eating and it just becomes second nature. So it's really not that bad. Okay. It's not bad at all, but you have. So what's something that you've done? Uh, oh, I, I just wanted to, to kind of follow up with that. Like what's something that you've done to make the flavors of the healthier meals stand out without. So like, I'll just pick salt, <laughs> like oversaturating it. Cause obviously too much of anything can be bad for you, but I'm curious as to what are some ways that you can add better flavor to something so that your taste buds are kind of trained to the newer and healthier thing versus mm -hmm. the, the thing that you're trying to avoid. So we'll use salt as an example. The average person uses iodized salt. That's just what most people use. It's the cheapest salt on the market. That's what everybody has always known to use, and that's all they use. There are other salts, of course, that are not only healthier, but they also have more flavor and require a lot less for the same impact as, say, for instance, a teaspoon of iodized salt. If you were to switch that to pink Himalayan salt, you would only need a pinch of pink Himalayan salt to equate to that one teaspoon. So you're not only decreasing your salt intake, but you're still increasing the flavor. I use mm -hmm. gotcha. rice cauliflower, for example. I don't like it plain. So I, I'll add cilantro and lime. It gives it a really good flavor and you don't really miss the fact that it's not white rice. So I want to know, what's your favorite thing to make? Um, <laughs> that sounds like that's a hard question. Yeah, that's a really hard question. I don't know that I have a favorite. I do a lot of seafood dishes. Not one favorite in particular. My son is a really big shrimp fan. So I guess one would be the ginger garlic lemon shrimp so i usually serve that once oh. again over rice cauliflower with either broccoli or asparagus on the side so that's a, i mean and that's hmm. that meal if it's served with asparagus is about 30 carbs maybe 
if it's that many, depending on okay. your service size. But you and get a lot of fiber with it, so that helps. I might actually need that recipe. <laughs> I love yeah, ginger that's everything. Pretty, that's pretty um, I'm serving at 30 carbs. That's awesome. Okay. So speaking of your your chef background, so mm-hmm. how did your uh, catering business kind of come into play? Because my understanding when we last spoke was that you were already doing your catering business before your diagnosis. Is that right? Right. So exactly. how did that kind of change things for you once you were diagnosed? When I was diagnosed, I started doing a lot more research than I had done previously. I had done research when I was younger to prevent diabetes because on my father's side, my grandmother had both of her legs amputated. And of course, she died um, of diabetes even before I was born. So I never met her, but I knew our history. So I wanted to prevent that because even on that side of the family, all of my cousins were diabetics. And I'm like, okay, that is not going to be me. That cannot be me. So I did my research trying to prevent it. I didn't prevent it, but I did more research once I was diagnosed because I just needed to know. And I'm a researcher by nature. I looked at the numbers and knew immediately that there was a problem, like a serious problem. And when you go out to eat, the restaurants don't cater to us at all. There aren't very many options for us. You have keto and you have the vegan restaurants, but when you look at the ingredients that they use, a lot of their ingredients are high in sodium or they're high in this or they're high in that. And none of that is good for us. So there's not right. honestly any type of restaurant, whether it be fine dining or fast food that caters to diabetics. So that was my pivot point where I decided that I was going to focus on diabetics because we can do better. We can do a lot better. And I just think if the products and services were available, people would readily want to change their lifestyle and want to change their living so that they're not measurable every day because their blood sugar is too high or they've had a sudden drop and they can't function today because their numbers just aren't right. So if I can help people balance it so that they're comfortable, then I've served my purpose. That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely can can see how that would come into play, even with like, so I've done things like Snap Kitchen and stuff like that, where they've got the the pre-made meals. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was trying to figure out, okay, which type of meals, because they've got now, they've got vegan, vegetarian, paleo, and keto. Um, mm-hmm. And I did the the paleo thing a while back, which actually really helped me get off a lot of processed stuff and kind of stick to more more fresher foods or find brands that mm-hmm. are going to be boxed or canned, aren't going to make things crazy for me. Right. But even still, I ended up with the same two or three meals at a time. And I don't mind leftovers, but I'm kind of like, 
all right, after like the third time, I'm ready for something different. <laughs> and right. so exactly. to get you know the same kind of meals every week and not have options to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of expand my palate, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. It's really frustrating because it makes food feel like a chore. You're already battling right. your body and you're trying to get back in <clears> sync <throat> and you need food to do it, but you kind of want to be able to sit at the dinner table and actually enjoy it versus sitting in front of the TV and being distracted, basically, just so you can power through it. It makes me think of my partner. He's military. And so Mm -hmm. food for him is fuel. Mm -hmm. And so, and they teach them in the mess hall. They just slop it up really fast. Like there's no Mm -hmm. enjoyment. And I grew up with such, you know, a diverse food background with my mom being from Thailand and um, Mm -hmm. my dad's from Shreveport, Louisiana. So I'm getting all this great soul food and all this great, she did more than just Thai cuisine, but like all of these things. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, I don't, I don't want to lose that. I've been exposed to, I love Italian food. Like there's no way (laughs) that I can feel good about it. So it's, it's so important for us to have those options. It's, it's, it's a struggle, which leads me to my next question for you in, as you were taking steps to get things under your control, doing a lot of research, leaning on your skills as a chef, I'm curious as to like, what in your routine and habits changed to help that progress to the point where you're at today? Nothing in, well, I can't say, I was going to say nothing in my routine change, but it did. I was the person who only ate once a day. Mm. Always. I was never a breakfast person. So my biggest change, I think, aside from changing the ingredients I use, was eating more often. Because, and when I did that, I noticed not only did I start losing weight, but my sugar levels completely leveled out. And my doctor says, well, you weren't feeding yourself enough because I don't eat a lot. And people would look at me because I was overweight and think I was a big eater. I was never, I've never been a big eater. I eat, I was already eating small portions, but I just wasn't doing it at the right time. And and probably Mm -hmm. a lot of times I wasn't eating the right things. So I wasn't limiting how often I ate my baked potato or how often I had fries or tater tots, which I love. So (laughs) I started to limit those things. And when I did, as I started to feel better, I realized, okay, well, I need to do more of this. And as I did that, and I wasn't in the beginning, I made it my point. I didn't weigh myself. I checked my blood sugar. But I would not weigh myself because I didn't want the burden of, well, I lost, you know, 10 pounds this week, but I didn't lose anything this week. So that's too much stress. I just waited my three months and I knew I was losing weight because my clothes were fitting different, but I just didn't know how much I had lost. I think that that's really powerful to, at the beginning, don't even... I don't even know why I still have a scale, to be quite honest. I think I have it more so for the body fat percentage. I know that that's Mm -hmm. a little bit more important in like inches versus pounds. But that damn scale, it just it ruins everything because we've been raised in such a culture that is data driven in some of the wrong ways of like Mm -hmm. this number means this. And it's funny that you mentioned that because as I was sitting in my uh, exam room waiting for my doctor to come in, they have that chart 
where it mm-hmm. says your height in inches and then your pounds and, and if you're you're in your healthy weight, obese, over that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And based on that, I'm considered overweight. But mm-hmm. I'm like, I might want to like lose and I don't even know if this is accurate. I might want to lose like 10 or 15 pounds, but I'm pretty okay with where I'm at. Maybe a couple mm-hmm. inches here. Like I definitely have the, the chicken arms and that gets to me sometimes. But overall, I spend a lot more time and I still am working towards self-acceptance, especially physically to where looking at a scale is not important to me. Now, I still want to go to the gym. I still want to make sure I'm exercising to keep my body optimal. Right. Um but it's, it's way more about health than it is about a vanity thing. And as soon as I really started to just do away with the the vanity metrics, if you will, things shifted so much differently, like going to the gym. It's still hard. I still struggle with it. It's really just getting out of bed because I like to get it over with. So I, afternoon and like evening workouts, like no, mm-hmm. I want to do in the morning. But even so, I'm not going because I'm trying to be bikini ready you know, for anything. It's more so like, I know if I have more muscle, my body's going to burn more and it's going to process mm-hmm. things more and it's going to be more optimized because staring at that scale every week, I'm even mindful of like workout programs where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, let's do your measurements. Let's take pictures. Like I like mm-hmm. the picture idea because I think that's something that's hard when we're staring at ourselves every day, but getting on a scale every five seconds is just, it, it makes you miserable because you are conditioned to think if I see what my last week was, 187 I don't hate it but I can I can feel myself battling like you need to be 145 Mm -hmm. I have been 145 since high school and I was active in soccer and volleyball like it makes sense for where I was at that time of my life but for where I am now that that's not really feasible I'd be okay Mm -hmm. if as long as my body is optimal that's all that matters it's not about reaching some perfect number so I'm going to, I'm going to reemphasize that to just kill the scales, just reinvent them to measure things outside of those stupid numbers because it's, it's tough. Okay. So you mentioned that uh, tater tots are one of your, your favorite things because you love potatoes. Do you have a preference? Is it, is it all potatoes or, or, cause I, I know sweet potatoes have become the huge craze and I, I didn't know that they were so versatile outside of sweet potato pie because that's what my grandma made and I <laughs> love her sweet potato pies. Um, but I, you know, now that there's such versatility in them, mm-hmm. um, I'm curious, do you have a favorite type of potato, tater tot? or a dish that you like to do with different types of potatoes? So now I make my tater tots out of cauliflower. Oh, Um, okay. And I play around with that and mix different things in with it. I'm really creative in the kitchen, so I just try things, and either they're good or they're not. And if they're really good, then at some point I'll probably market them. But if I think they're horrible, then they'll never... I'll never market them. Somebody else might, but I won't. But I <laughs> I, I still eat tater tots every, yeah. maybe once every three weeks. I'll have tater tots. Just kind of okay. treat myself. But I do eat a lot of sweet potatoes. I also eat a lot of seafood. I, I still eat meat. People say don't eat meat. I think we miss nutrients yeah. when we don't eat meat altogether. But I think it's important to eat everything in moderation. So it's all about balance. And I don't think you have to totally eliminate anything. You just have to 
know your body and know what's best for you to have that balance that you need to feel normal. Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) That's like, I think that's the thing that I am appreciating about the health industry in general. Mm -hmm. I know keto is still a big thing that's out there. And Mm -hmm. I will say, I do appreciate that some of the products, because I'm constantly looking at the labels, even if it has keto on it, Mm -hmm. um, to like, like I use the skinny mixes, keto coffee mixers, Mm -hmm. um, which I really like. And I've been playing around with some of the keto. I miss cereal the most, but of course I loved the absolute sweetest versions. Like hello, fruity pebbles. You were the joy of my life. (laughs) so cereal is hard for me but it's finding that what works for you and there's a couple of facebook groups that i'm in where i'm seeing people get slammed when they say hey i'm having this and they're like oh my god you had too much of this or you shouldn't even be eating that Mm -hmm. and just recognizing like we're all made so differently right and yes common ground is our diagnosis and we need to find community yes some accountability but also some like support and mm-hmm. that I can still, for the most part, eat bread. It's still very limited. I don't go crazy, but sometimes I have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Doesn't send me crazy, but I'm not burning through a loaf of bread every three days either. Whereas I know some people where it's like, absolutely not. Like, if I even just look at half a piece of toast, my numbers start climbing. Same thing with hot cereals. I love oatmeal, cream of mm-hmm. wheat, grits. Grits Grits is a hard one. That one is one I have to treat myself to every now and then. Because I just absolutely love grits. And I don't, I'm going on record and saying this because I know this is a big debate. I don't do sugar grits. I don't do the sweet grits. It's weird to me. (laughs) I don't get it. I'll do cheese grits. I like savory grits. It's such a huge battle. And when people would say that, I was like, what? You put sugar? Ah, It just doesn't feel right. Like, But Mm -hmm. to each his own. It's not Um, oatmeal. yeah, right. Like, I feel like it's just, it's just strange. And so, but that's when I'm like, I got to be careful and portion sizes. I know you mm-hmm. mentioned that too, because that is something that has been imploded on in the food industry is nobody's properly giving the right portions of things. I try my best to take half of whatever for order. I actually order from restaurants mostly now. I don't, I, if it has a drive through I try to avoid it, but I'll take half that portion and put it away. Because I already know it's usually enough to feed three people and Mm -hmm. I'm only one person. But yeah, that that balance is so, so important. So I hope there's a recipe book coming at some point. I I know you said you're working on stuff, but it sounds like I need your list of recipes of all the amazing things to make me motivated to cook again because I I enjoy cooking I love baking more that's one Mm -hmm. of the fun things I used to do with one of my aunts but when I realized that cooking felt so heavy and overwhelming for me that's when I got nervous because Mm -hmm. that's that danger zone for me where I know I'll I'll slip into okay it's just easier let me order something because Mm -hmm. I I don't deal with it right so please make a recipe book um, but as moving forward what are your what are your goals I know you said you're working on some stuff can we know a little bit of what those offerings will be anything sure out for <clears throat> so I currently have a diabetic guide kind of for those who are newly diagnosed or those who are just struggling to adjust I also have a dessert cookbook for diabetics specifically that that has 15 recipes that 
basically, I enjoy taking the traditional recipes and making them suitable for diabetics. And that's just what I do. In the as far as the future, I have some things I'm working on as far as there's a pancake mix that is 10 carbs for three pancakes. I'm testing it. The I'm testing the shelf life at this point. I've already created it, but I'm just testing the shelf life before I start, before I put it on the market, basically. There are, because my son loves Alfredo, so I have some noodles that I've made that aren't the zucchini noodles or the sweet potato noodles or things of that nature. Just they look like traditional noodles, but they're a lot less carbs than the traditional. So for those who love Italian food, that accommodates them. I have, there's always, (laughs) (laughs) I look at the, everything on the grocery shelves and there's a lot of flowers. There are a lot of, I mean, there's pecan flour, there's almond flour, you name it, it's there. They're still high in carbs. So I'm working on a flour that is very low in carbs. And once again, I'm testing different ingredients, different recipes with that to see how it works and if it works and if it's just suitable. So I've turned on my creative spirit and I've just gone into my little test kitchen and created things that I know would be very beneficial to the diabetic community. I Once I move, because I'm not going to start manufacturing in one state and I'm moving to another, but once I move, then sure. that will pick up and I'll also have meals that people can heat and serve, things of that nature, just like Stouffer's has their lasagna and all of their meals or banquet. Well, banquet when I was little, I don't even know if they still exist, but, you know, they had their frozen meals. I think they're still around. Are they? (laughs) See, I don't buy frozen food. I want to put that out for those who don't cook. So they're not, I want to deter people from, who are diabetics from being tempted to go to the fast food restaurants because they can't cook, they don't cook, and it's quick and convenient. So if I can create something for them, to make their life easier, then that's what I'll do. And I also teach cooking classes, of course, different ones. I have a different menu each class so everyone can decide what they like and hop in the class and learn how to cook their favorite meal, basically. That's really cool. I'm, I've, I've been trying not to be so antsy because I'm excited because I love pancakes. I, I have three mixes in my cabinet right now. Um, one is it's Birch's Keto and it's a chocolate chip one. So I'm thinking, you know, that'll help a little bit. And it tastes like cardboard. And I have another mix. I haven't tried it yet because mm-hmm. I'm just so nervous about it that I was doing the Hungry Root boxes for a little bit. And, and they mm-hmm. gave me some good stuff. And one of them was a pancake mix. It's not too bad on the carb side. They use a lot more almond flour. But again, I'm just so nervous because I love pancakes. Like my partner will tell you, if we go anywhere that has pancakes, I'm probably mm-hmm. getting it. And I try to like do half or like, this is just my treat because I, that's why I can't keep it in the house. Right. Like, that's my rule is... 
I do my best not to keep it in the things that I know tip me in the house. I do a one and done and then you got to mm-hmm. reset for a couple of weeks or something. But yeah, if you if you land that that I need to I'll be a tester. Let me be a beta tester for all of this. Now your your classes, do you do them online or, or in person or are you kind of doing a hybrid? They're virtual. They're all virtual. What? I've been missing out. That's what, that's what I mean. Okay. So you're definitely gonna have to send me all the links for that. So people can have access to that. Cause again, that's, that's where my thing just kind of lies. And, and when I'm in the, in an inspiration mode, mm-hmm. I'm no iron chef. Right. But my mom watching her cook, especially my favorite Thai dishes, like that's something I would love to see. So that's a challenge for any Thai dishes that are diabetic friendly let me know i'll test it out and let you know i will definitely work on that but you know that's some of the things that i miss and it's usually my request when i go home i'm like i i don't care what dish it is you just need to make me some thai food because there's thai restaurants all over austin and i've you know tried a couple and very few of them meet mom and grandma standards so i'm trying not to be biased but you know making it myself sometimes that's been my challenge it's like okay my my uh, family's from northern thailand so they they're mm-hmm. more spice and flavor versus mm-hmm. peanuts and sweet which i mm-hmm. hate <laughs> and so trying to kind of reverse engineer like okay i played around with some mushroom noodles that actually did pretty well on one of the like soupy dishes that Mm -hmm. we make a lot stuff like that that makes me excited to cook again and want to feel like i'm on an episode of chopped and i gotta use what's in the kitchen to make something impressive for like bobby or somebody i don't know (laughs) my dad hates bobby (laughs) flavor He just, he just finds him. <laughs> but I, that really just makes me excited. I kind of want to think about what to cook now because I, I want to feel that. I want it to feel like being in the kitchen is fun again. I really just thank you for what you're doing to, to help those of us in the community find that joy again. Right. I, I'm now professional chef but it's it's nice when i make something if i can get my partner to be like man this is really good like i know i've won for life because he's usually very He's a very simple guy. It doesn't take much, but a lot of times just like, yeah, it's food, it's fuel, whatever. Mm-hmm. But if he's like, hey, this is really good. I'm like, I need to memorize everything that I did because <laughs> I'll probably never hear it again for like another six months. <laughs> so I really do appreciate you and, and everything that you're doing. So with that, I'd like to ask the final question. Well, final two questions. Okay. And what's what's one piece of advice that you would give somebody who's newly diagnosed? I think my favorite thing to say is diabetes is not the end of the world. Life goes on. Yeah. Don't let it be overwhelming to a point that you make yourself sicker than you already are. I wholeheartedly feel that because stress also makes your numbers go up. Yes. So yeah, no, I I agree with that. That, That's why we're here. That's why I'm here. That's why you're here (laughs) in trying to be the examples that life can still be meaningful and purposeful and fun. Right. Um, Doesn't have to stop simply because your body is asking for a bit of a reset. That's how I try to Mm -hmm. think of it, positive reinforcement or something. (laughs) But I like that. I like that. It's not the end of the world. It moves on but it doesn't have to to mean that you can't do anything about it. So with that being said, <clears throat> excuse me, 
where can people find you? How can people connect with you, sign up for these awesome classes you're doing, keep up with these cool products, even though I'm first in line for the pancake mix. So just everybody know I'm I'm first (laughs) in line. But how can we learn more and make sure that we are up to date on all the cool things that you're up to? So I am on Instagram at Queen Lovely Official. And my website is www.thequeenlovely.com. And if you want announcements for the new products, then you can just sign up for the newsletter on my website. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I am super excited for everything that you are doing. I'm glad that you're going to be a fellow Texan. (laughs) I'm glad that you missed the insane (laughs) weather (laughs) that we just came with. But I sincerely wish you a safe move. If I am in the Houston area, I'm definitely going to be bugging you to come try some of your meals because anything that I can do to advocate for us and ways for us to help each other, I'm all for. So thank you so much uh, for your time and sharing your story. It was a pleasure and I'll definitely be in touch to get you some pancake mix. (laughs) (laughs) I need it, guys. I need it. (laughs) Awesome. We'll catch you guys next time. I am so serious about this pancake mix, y'all. Wasn't that great? That was a great combo, right? I, I just can't stress enough how exciting it is to meet other diabetics who are wanting to put themselves out in the world and create things that really do cater to us. There's already a lot of great products out there. We've got our own app with TV shows, Myabetic TV. Make sure you download it um, and check things out. But seriously, I'm really excited for everything Alicia is doing over at the Queen Lovely and the products that she's working on. It really was like she just picked all of my favorite things and was like, I'm working on making these. And the pancakes, the noodles for the Alfredo, because I love Italian food, having the flour, that's specific. Like all of these things are just super awesome and i'm excited to see all that she's doing and definitely checking out one of these virtual cooking classes i'm really upset i didn't know about it sooner so make sure you sign up for her newsletter see when she's having these classes i know sometimes cooking can be really difficult but you can do it it's not as difficult as we seem as it seems flavor 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 it's all about flavor and yeah i'm gonna go pick through my kitchen now and see what I can concoct because now I'm in a kind of iron chef mood and I am really inspired to get back in the kitchen and that truly is thanks to Alicia so make sure you check her out all of her information is in the show notes and of course please if you don't mind or you want to just make sure you're keeping up with everything that we're doing here at the show be sure to subscribe be sure to check me out on the website www.healinginhindsight.com you already know where i'm at on instagram at healing in hindsight and if you really enjoy these conversations and you want to support the show in any form or fashion feel free to buy me a drink links on the player also be in the show notes i'll be happy to have a virtual cheers with you or coffee and appreciate any support that you give more coming next week but until then more coming next week but until then i'll see you guys next time